Are Honest Iceland, your Icelandic friends from Iceland and from Germany. Every week we share with you great stories, little known mysteries, and how to explore the island like a pro. Get to know its inhabitants, their everyday life, and what makes Iceland so unique. Um, honestly, I think this episode is going to be fun. Definitely. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about mistakes that tourists and visitors make in Iceland since it became such a popular destination. Some of these mistakes are unforgivable for Mother Nature, some are quite funny, and the others ended in fatal accidents. We want you to be aware of the risks that are involved when traveling uh, to the popular sites here in Iceland, and of course, always use common sense some people actually have these mishaps happen to them as soon as they land Steffi do you yep. like detours well if there's something nice to see on this detour I, I definitely take it but would you take a six hour detour a six hour detour I probably not. No. So, there was um, an American visitor from New York who booked a night at Hotel Fron, which is on Laugaver, the main street in Reykjavik. Um, the city is uh, the street itself is quite nice. It's the shopping street. And it has a lot of hotels, a lot of restaurants, and nice shops to check in. Of course, now since Iceland has become very popular among tourists, a lot of tourist shops have also come up. So if you're looking to get a souvenir, no better place than the main street. Now, the visitor booked a hotel on this street, went out of the airplane, got into his rental car and typed in Løgaver in his GPS. Then he started driving. Six hours later, he ended up in Siglifjörður, which is in the north of Iceland. Um, and according to an article published in the Icelandic newspaper Visir, or the Icelandic online newspaper, into, it happened in 2016, the New Yorker knocked on the door of Sigurlina Kárdóttir, who lives on Laugavegur in Siglifjörður. Um, so, of course, the man it was really embarrassed by his mistakes. Um, but, of course, the Icelanders are really friendly and we will always help out the tourists in need. Um, so, of course, they called the hotel in Reykjavik, told him, told them what happened, told them they, he wasn't coming, and booked a hotel down the street on Laugavur in Siglifjörður. Well, at least this... Guy has a good story to tell when you know when he's back uh, in New York. Yeah, and I read some I read some follow up article about it, and he actually um, enjoyed being like a little bit famous for his silly GPS mistakes. Um, but yeah, me I mean like I I I like this guy. He does not question technology. <laughs> he's just, he he just keeps driving. He's like the GPS can't be wrong. I'm going to my hotel six well, hours away. Be aware when you travel to Iceland because there are different areas, cities and sites with the same name, but can be, you know, on the other side of the island. So Løgavegur, for instance, is the name for the street in Reykjavik, and now we also know it's a street in Siglufjörður, but it is also a popular hiking trail. So I wouldn't trust the GPS 100%. I would look at the street signs. I say trust it 100%. <laughs> Just drive. Um, if if you book the hotel on Lerwer, it might be in the middle of the hiking path. <laughs> Of the hiking path, definitely. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I, I think there's a Hotel Fron somewhere there. 
There is definitely adventure waiting for you. You're in yeah. Iceland. Yeah, so um, so a few things you can take away from this story. Uh, number one, buy a map. Um, because the the maps can help you a little bit on the way. And yeah, I don't I don't know really how this happens, but I understand that sometimes you can um input something wrong in your GPS, especially when you don't know the country and you don't know the streets. Well, I would say in this case, I would suggest to look up the city you're going to and look up where the city is located before your trip. I would just assume that um, this this lovely New Yorker didn't prepare as much as a typical German yeah. <laughs> tourist would do. They would prepare everything they would know how much the, i know that the coke in 1011 costs but yeah the yeah that's exactly the germans they know so much about iceland they research so much they know the current milk price <laughs> and they they are very likely to correct the guides yeah and they are really not happy when you tell them information has changed according to their guidebook they bought in 1987 <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, it said this in my book. So that's always that's always nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, but off off the podcast, we we reference this uh, mistake to drive six hours, similar to booking a flight to Paris, Tennessee in <laughs> the United States, and hoping you're going to Paris, France. The next story is a case of uh, I would say tourists being idiots so let me tell you a story there are actually two stories in 2013 a group of tourists I will I, I just decided I will not state from which country they are Chinese. you can no they're not, <laughs> they're not Chinese um, you can research for yourself if you're interested. I, I don't want to bash uh, against uh, certain countries. Wait, are they Americans? <laughs> 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 they might be American, but I'm not sure actually in, in this case that they are American because I saw or read different information about this mm. uh online the, yeah the so let's just let's just say a group of tourists the okay. person writing the news was confused because they were from paris and he didn't know france or tennessee okay so in 2013 a group of tourists had to be rescued from a drifting iceberg ice sheet that broke up from the mainland in uh, Jökulsárlón, which is uh, southeast of Iceland. And very beautiful place, by the way. Yeah, and they had a picnic on this ice sheet with foldable chairs and a table. Completely insane, if you ask me. Yes, this is one of the coolest picnics you can have, literally. Well... I would question that. Well, cool in in terms in of the, the temper yeah. <laughs> in terms of temperature. So they um, they had the picnic, and then they realized they got stuck on this ice sheet. So one of the friends called for help, and they had to be rescued. However, um, in a newspaper article of CNBC. It says that they were still joking and being completely unaware of how dangerous their situation is. Because, maybe you don't know this, but icebergs can flip over at any time if, if they're getting unbalanced. So it is not safe ever to walk or have a picnic on a floating ice sheet. Not in Iceland and not anywhere. Yeah, because in the because with icebergs they have 
uh, 90% of the iceberg is underwater. So you never know what you are actually getting on. Well, we know we know that fact since Titanic. Exactly. So, and wh- there's another. The movie? There's another case from 2016 in Jökulsárlón as well. A group of visitors uh, with their kids jumped from one floating ice sheet to another. And a tour guide watching the scenario, the scenario told them it is very unsafe. And in an article from the Ambiet, which is the, the main newspaper here in Iceland, is as shortly after a sign was put up in the cafe close by that reads, Warning! Do not go out on the ice. Sometimes people are not so good with understanding English, which is why I think if you want to put out a serious warning sign, you need it in multiple languages. But again, it's it's some kind of common sense. I mean, having a picnic on an ice sheet, completely insane. Having food, packaging and, and drinks on an ice sheet, uh, no, no words needed. But of course, also jumping from an ice sheet to another and they're just drifting apart from, from the mainland. It's just not a good idea. And of course, this has only gotten worse with the rise of social media, because now you have way more people going onto the going onto the icebergs and going onto dangerous cliff sides to get the perfect photo. Yep. The the deadly selfie. Yes. So since we're talking about icebergs, I'm gonna talk about a common iceberg surfer. That would be the polar bear. Now, the polar bear has been reported, or has been reportedly seen every two years since the settlement of Iceland. Um, and for example, recently we had two polar bears coming in 2009. That's not really recently, but still. It's 11 years ago, it's still relevant, okay? <laughs> <laughs> In 2015, there was an entire campsite in the north of Iceland that had to be evacuated because there was a Spanish tourists or Spanish family that reported that they saw a polar bear. Now, polar bears are one of the few species that actually do attack humans and will hunt humans. Especially because they are very hungry when they swim yeah. all the way from probably Greenland yes, to that, Iceland. Yeah, that's how they are believed to arrive. Because there is no polar bear. Um, the polar bear is not native to Iceland. So they are believed to float from Greenland or surf. They surf from Greenland on icebergs. They have the same they have the same problem as the floating tourists, just that they don't take an active decision to go yeah. on an ice sheet. They're just drifting away and then they find themselves in the ocean and it's believed that they somehow end up in Iceland. Yeah. So um yeah, so they evacuated the whole um campground. Uh, because the the polar bear was ready to hunt. It was hungry, grumpy, didn't have any Wi-Fi on the iceberg. <laughs> didn't have anything to do, bored. Couldn't read the news yeah. for weeks. Yeah. Um, so then the search and rescue squad came. And probably the special, special police unit as well. And they were looking for the polar bear, for the reported polar bear. Uh, but they couldn't find it. So, the most logical explanation they could find is that the Spanish family must have seen a sheep (laughs) (laughs) and mistaken it for a polar bear. Must have been a pretty big sheep. Yeah. But I mean, like, are there many sheeps on the beaches of Spain? 
I don't know. No, and probably not that many polar bears either. So we should have this in our tourist informational video when you land with Iceland air. If you see a polar bear, please double check for <laughs> <Yeah>. soft wool. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we learn from this story? Um, that there are a lot of sheeps. Yeah, there are a lot of sheeps in Iceland uh, in many places that you wouldn't expect. Um, and if you see a sheep, don't call the police um, because they will evacuate your campsite. <laughs> So speaking of camping, in 2015, which we would describe as another year with a high number of tourists in Iceland, a group of visitors not only camped in Thingvelli National Park, which by now at least is strictly prohibited, they also ripped out the moss that needs hundreds of years to grow to insulate their tent. In a post on Facebook from the Thingvetle National Park, it stated that the park rangers discovered their tent with this strange looking formation around it and soon realized how they insulated their tent because they found a place where they ripped out all the moss, ancient holy moss. So ripping out moss in a national park is very serious business. Um, it's stated in the article that these uh, the, the park rangers gave these individuals very strong words of advice and they left the park. I believe there was no further investigation from the police but nowadays I'm pretty sure there would be a fine for doing this or maybe they got a fine and I just couldn't find any um, proof of this so wild camping by now is illegal in Iceland and there are a few exceptions that you have to research before you do it so a few exceptions are that I found when you camp very far from the main road. So if you're on a hiking trail, for example. Also, if you have the permission of the landowner, because what most visitors don't know, a lot of uh, land here in Iceland is owned partially by, um, by a farmer. And it's best to check this out. Just don't put your camper or your tent anywhere. Like I said, uh, if you're traveling around the um, road number one, you have to camp on a camping ground. And also one exception is that I also know from a friend of mine, if you're on a hiking trip. So for example, my friend went to uh, Snæfellsnes to the national park. So he had to... Um, he had to check in with the park ranger there that he was on some kind of list that he will be hiking in the park for two weeks and will, of course, sleep in his tent every night. This is one of the exceptions. And, of course, it's self-explanatory. You don't leave any trash behind. You try to leave nature as untouched as possible. And don't camp in someone's backyard. When traveling around Iceland, I have to agree, it can be difficult to find restrooms, toilet facilities. They're quite rare, especially in the wintertime. However, you can always use the toilets in the gas stations, like N1. Yeah. You can also see the map online of N1. If you Google it, they are all around the ring road. Yeah, and I mean, like, toiletries have, I think, definitely, uh, I think there's definitely more Improved of them now. Yeah, last couple of years, yes. And if you cannot find a gas station, you can always go into a cafe and have a nice, you know, 
stop, yeah. have some snacks, use the restrooms there. Yeah. A farmer in South Iceland got a very unpleasant surprise one fine winter morning when he spotted a tourist dropping number two on his property next to the post box. And in an interview with the Icelandic newspaper MBL, he says, quote, This shithead decided to do a shit just by our home. He almost shat into the post box itself. <laughs> I, of course, are laughing a little bit, thinking about how this farmer started to shout at his tourists. And even more embarrassing for this man that did the number two in on the property of this um, of this Icelander. He also took a picture of him with his pants down. And it's in this newspaper article. So he was very outraged. And it was kind of the just the tip of the iceberg because like Ali just said, there are a lot of incidents that happened since the tourist boom started that travelers did their businesses anywhere in in the countryside, in the city, and were spotted by by the locals and they were not happy with that. It's a curse and a blessing for many locals that so many tourists started to come visiting the country. So if you are, if you have the need to do number one or number two on the road, just check first. Yeah, check, check for gas stations. See if there's any public toilets around. Um, well, otherwise, dig a hole. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do, I guess, when you go hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a hike, it can happen. It can always happen in a hike. Yeah, but don't do it in someone's mailbox. You know, it's it's enough that he has to go get the bills. Doesn't have to step in your poop on the way. Exactly. So what do we learn from this story? Um, keep the keep the mailbox closer <laughs> to your door. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's a good point what did we learn about this story we we learned to not poop in front of farmers houses because don't poop they in front will, of anyone's house yes exactly do not poop in front of anyone's house so talking about doing your doing your stuff in public um it's a little it, this this is actually a way better story because uh, because the story we just covered was about um, making something dirty but this one is about getting yourself clean uh, because this is the the story that we have uh, that I have I have heard about this a few times now and I think we're going to talk uh, talk a little bit about the first time it happened in 2016 and this is when tourists shower in car washing stations. And now, just to be clear, we in Iceland, on, on, in the gas stations, we have these brooms which release water to clean your car. And rental car companies usually encourage you to use this to clean their cars. Yeah, especially in the in the summertime when you have a lot of... When you go to Mivat yeah, and you and have... You have a lot of and you have a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. smeared all over the car um, but of course this has been this has been a little bit unpopular now because it's not that well maintained and sometimes the the broomstick freezes and then you can stretch the car so in winter definitely be careful of using this Um but of course, the tourists we're talking about now did not use it to clean their cars. 
they use it to clean themselves. And this is one of the things that is so strange to me, because we have this problem with the tourists not wanting to shower in front of anyone in the public swimming pools, but then they will shower in the gas stations. Well, I'm sure the one that showered in the gas station, or if you call it showered, cleaned themselves yeah. with this broom in the gas station are, are not the same people that denied to get naked before going no. into the pool. No, probably not. But it would be very ironic if these guys did not want to clean themselves before the pool, but they want to clean themselves in N1. The gas but, station. But of course, I mean, some travelers are just ignorant in general, no matter where they are. Yeah. Because in this newspaper article, it also states that they were just laughing about the staff member telling them this is just for cars. Yeah. So they were just basically pointing their butt to, to the staff member. Yeah. So I guess they were drunk or... Just, yeah. just not really caring. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, this, this really blew past them like a fart in the wind. <laughs> so going to a bit more of a serious incident or a series of incidents that happened at Reynesfjara Beach in South Iceland. And you might have heard about it because of what happened there in the last couple of years, there are now big signs at the beach that you have to walk past and that you hopefully read before you enter the area of the beach. So this is a reminder from us to you to take the warning signs around the country seriously. A lot of travelers wouldn't go to South Iceland without visiting the famous beach, Reynesfjara, the black sand beach. Several fatal accidents happened in the last couple of years when visitors got caught by a so-called sneaker wave. So there's an underground cliff that has a very strong pulling effect on the waves. So the waves are incredible powerful and you can get easily swept out to the sea. Because if you get caught by a wave, the sand will get pulled out as well. So the ground beneath you, so the spot where you're standing, pulls you out into the water. Not just the water, also the sand. And that's the danger of this beach. The water is very cold, we're talking about the North Atlantic Ocean. So hypothermia sets in quickly. And because when you visit this beach, you're probably going to be packed in a lot of layers of cloth. So also drowning is very likely. And why are we talking about this? Because despite the warning signs that visitors have to walk past to enter the beach, we can still see people going way too close to the ocean. Either if I visit, if you visit, if when I visited with my family. And of course, there are several newspaper articles that you can research. People get caught in the waves all the time. At least it happened a lot while we talked about this, that the tourist boom happened all around 2015, 16. And it's not always ending with a with a fatal accident sometimes people just really get caught in the wave and still manage to get out if they're not too far or too close to the ocean and my first visit to Iceland which was in 2015 something similar happened so I was uh, on a bus tour to South uh, Iceland and the tour guide told us when we, when we were going to the beach, he said every seventh wave will be a big one. So start counting. And he said it in a kind of humorous way. So, of course, most of the group did not take him seriously. And what exactly happened is close to the cave. 
So there is a cave that sometimes is not recommended to go into when when the yeah when the weather is very stormy. And I was closer to this cave, but a few people of the group were really close to the shore. And one of these big waves came. And you really cannot see it. You really wouldn't say, okay, there's a big wave coming. Let's let's go back. It's just any wave that comes. Sneaker waves. And a lot of people that were further um, out at the shore got completely wet until their knees. And I mean, it's ice cold water. We were we were two, three hours away from Reykjavik. So yeah, the whole trip... Bus trip back, yes. really shitty. You have completely wet socks, wet shoes, wet whatever pants you're wearing. So even if you if you, I would say, survive this incident, it it has a big effect on your tour. And it was winter time. It was in November. Yeah, and also you don't really you don't even get that good a story from it. You know, you you can just say like, yeah, I was in Iceland and I had a wave go on my legs and I got wet so not worth it all right yeah I I definitely I mean we've been talking about this uh, a lot of a lot of uh, guides will talk about this be really careful at the beach I mean I've been there several times when the weather was very very good and then the waves are tamed they're they're not that big but still you should think about it do you really want to risk your life on a vacation probably not so what do we learn from the story Uh, always respect nature yes and instagram photos aren't as important as you think they are and definitely don't turn your back to the ocean because that that's the kind of thing that happened a lot of times that people turn their back to the ocean, they're taking a selfie and they don't even see the wave coming until they feel it when their legs are pulled away. All right, so we're going to switch up to a story that's a little bit more fun. And by now you might be wondering if something happens to you here in Iceland, who's going to rescue you and who's going to help you and who's going to save you and there is there's a team there's a team that will be there for you 24 7 yeah but But you will not need them if you just listen to our podcasts and you just follow our guidelines i mean come on (laughs) all right so the search and rescue team um was so it's it's like a it's like kind of a union of search and rescue volunteers so it's the biggest volunteer group in Iceland with recorded over 18,000 participants have volunteered for the search and rescue team since it was founded in 1999 so all of the search and rescue teams are in the in like a union or of sorts that is called so you will maybe recognize this word Landsbjörg, country rescue, directly translated. Um, and there are actually 93 active uh, like squads around the whole country. Uh, now, they really want to do things well and they have an excellent, excellent um, rescue course and an excellent school to train people and people can sign up and learn all types of usual things it can be cpr it can be helping people like saving people on land saving people in the ocean it ranges from almost anything and i mean in a country like iceland where you have almost everything can go wrong then you've got to be prepared for everything um, there are about 4,000 people on shift throughout the year and there are about 1,200 calls they answer each year. So in Iceland it's very important 
for the locals to support the search and rescue squad. Um, yeah, which I do. I'm I am a I am a monthly supporter of the of the squad. Um, of course, they have a lot of income coming in from companies that are of sorts sponsoring them. Um, but also they have their keychain sale every year. They sell their little rescue man. And you can see this all over Iceland. And in a lot of companies you will see a small statue of a rescuer. And that means the company or the institution that has this statue has donated a certain amount of money to the search and rescue squad. Um, they also have uh, an annual firework sale. And this has been become a little bit controversial because, of course, the search and rescue team is one of the most expensive firework sale in Iceland. And because of this, there are now a lot of businesses that spring up around New Year's selling fireworks for a lot cheaper than the rescue squad does and i remember um we got we got like a voucher for fireworks in i don't remember when this was this was a few years ago so we usually did not buy fireworks anyway but we got as a gift vouchers for fireworks and i remember in the rescue squad you buy these boxes and they're always like you know filled with some firecrackers and small rockets and stuff like this and they all have like Icelandic names like Trusti and Trikvi and stuff like this. And when we went to this fireworks sale with our voucher, we got like a box that was just covered in Chinese letters. And it was in the it was like in a in the colors of a like yellow house. And it was super weird. And you you would you Never, never saw it. And of course, there are always instructions from the fire rescue squad to say, tell you how to properly light off fireworks. Because of course, it's a little bit ironic that you have the yeah. rescue yeah. squad selling fireworks, and then you have have to be so rescued many, yeah, because of all the accidents. I mean, I personally, I'm a really big supporter of stopping uh, private fireworks completely. But I understand here in Iceland that this is one of the, the biggest income for the search and rescue team, I guess, is the, fire, the, the annual fireworks sale. Yeah, I mean, of I course, they need, a lot of, like, they need a lot of equipment. I mean, they have helicopters. Yeah. And I can understand that they're trying to get most of this around the Christmas time or around New Year's. Yeah, but I agree. I think I think private-owned firework sales should definitely be banned, or maybe they could they could have a rule where you would need to pay a certain amount of money to the search and rescue squad from the profits that you made selling fireworks because i remember when i was growing up there was almost only or i probably only the the search and rescue squad that had the fireworks for sale it's only now recently where you can buy online fireworks and you can buy fireworks with like 10 different companies we learned from this story to support the rescue squad yeah, definitely. When you're in Iceland, e even if you don't have to be rescued, which we hope you, you don't need the rescue squad on your trip, during your trip to Iceland, you can still support them. Because you know that uh, since, since the rise of tourism, well, we know, not right now at the moment, but it got much more busy for them. And I remember a story that I couldn't find anymore because I was just reading it around uh, Christmas time. So on the 24th, uh, which is Christmas Eve, 
I believe it was last year or maybe maybe further back. Uh, one of these rescue teams were called from a traveler that got stuck in the snow on a mountain road. And this individual got stuck because uh, he or she was ignoring the sign of that the road is closed. So this person was just driving around uh, the sign, which was, I guess, possible, and got stuck. So there was one of these cases where I thought, okay, that, that is really unnecessary to be rescued from that. And I mean, you know, things happen sometimes. Uh, a friend of mine uh, told me that he got stuck on a road as well in Iceland uh, many years back and because they, they couldn't believe that the weather would turn so bad so quickly but here in Iceland you you really you can see you can see 100% uh, in one moment and then just the next moment it's it's all blown full of snow so they got stuck on a road and they had to call the rescue squad just to help them get the car um, out of the snow and bring the car to the next town and he told me he felt of course, really, really guilty about taking this trip because there was a decision. Do I take the trip or do I stay? And so he donated uh, money to the rescue team. Yeah. So And also, I think, um, probably one of the nicest souvenirs you can find from Iceland is the little search and rescue keychain. But they're only in certain times of the year. You cannot buy yeah. them all year long, I think. Exactly. That's why it's so nice. It's it always changes every single year, and I, you can I only agree. buy it. Uh, I think around January or February or something. In the, I, I think, I think it's, it's in the beginning of the year, or is it right before? It's Christmas? before Christmas. It's, it's before probably <laughs> before Christmas when I think about it. And then you also <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then you also have the the staff or people from the rescue squad on different. Uh, in different areas that sell these keychains. Yeah. And if you are in the interest of traveling safely and you don't want to be rescued by the search and rescue team, we definitely recommend checking the road conditions. And you can easily do this on a website called safetravel.is. They list all the warnings that could be, um, whether it's wind or snow or rain and of course, don't drive past a closed road sign. Yeah. Because there are reasons for the road being like closed. We, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, use your common sense. So, Ali, I, uh, one one topic that I know you, you did not research. So, do you know these piles of rocks that are sometimes in the middle of nature? Or, or also, I think I saw them now at Harpa, at the concert hall there hundreds of these piles of rocks no i don't know anything about this do we actually have rocks in iceland yes there are rocks in iceland <laughs> haven't noticed okay so the these piles of rocks are called cairns i would call them ugly piles of rocks in the middle of untouched nature so, okay, don't get me wrong. Ah, yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, okay, I know. Okay, don't get me wrong. So, Cairns, uh, in the old days, Icelander created these uh, stone cairns as kind of a GPS and guidance. And I guess it was a more re reliable GPS than nowadays. Yeah, you would not follow uh, you the, st yes. <laughs> the stones to Lögavur. You see, a few hundred years ago when the weather was really bad, which it by the way often is in Iceland uh, roads were unpaved so Icelanders used these piles of rocks to mark the way or mark specific places however since a few years back travelers started to build cairns as a symbol of good luck 
and it pretty much got out of hand. So now you see in certain areas in the countryside hundreds of those stacks, which really destroys the landscape. So both local and other travelers really think that it destroys the landscape. It it looks ugly. It's kind of destroys the feeling of untouched nature. And the number one honest Iceland rule in case you didn't know it. Leave every place as you find it. But of course, if there's trash already, please, please pick it up. Just leave Icelandic nature as untouched as possible. So, of course, you 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 think, okay, other people already built these uh, cairns in the in the country, but it doesn't mean you have to do it as well because you are the smart traveler. And you can see some of the older ones around uh, the country. If you're driving a little bit further on the on the road number one in the West Fjords, for example, there is a huge stone kind of statue in the shape of a man that is pointing with some kind of arm in the in the direction of uh, Patricksfjorde. So it's between Baurdastern to Patricksfjordapot. I hope I said this right. So, yes, in the old days it was used to navigate, but nowadays we know just leave nature without piling up rocks. So, the last story we're going to talk about. the best story. Um, it's about discovering yourself in Iceland. A different kind of self-discovery. Yeah, so it's, it's probably not what you think. So a different kind of self-discovery, as The Independent describes it in an article from 2012, brought out a whole search team looking for a missing person. So what happened is that after walking tour in Eidgja Canyon, a woman did not return to the bus to her group. This has to be taken very seriously in Iceland because in the past people got themselves in nearly life-threatening situations by getting separated from their group. So like I said before, the weather can turn quickly, especially in mountains and visibility can go from 100 to zero. So of course, if there's a person missing, it has to be taken seriously. And therefore, a search team has been dispatched by the police shortly after the woman was reported missing. But the woman wasn't found. So it turned out she was on the bus all along. She changed her clothes to freshen up so that no one recognized her anymore. Which is crazy. She even took part in her own search, not knowing who they're looking for. And of course, she realized that they're looking for her. So she told the bus driver, who told the police. And it also turns out that the people weren't counted right in the bus. So after all, self-discovery. Yeah. So this is yeah this is one of the thing uh, this is one of the stories I love because it's like um, it shows you how people sometimes react you know it's like instead of maybe counting again <laughs> <laughs> you you immediately call the rescue team and it's like did did nobody brief them on who they were looking for <laughs> it feels a little bit odd to be looking for yourself yeah with like an organized rescue team, you know? Um, but of course, the good thing about the story is that nobody got hurt. And exactly. the woman was safe all along. Um, and I mean, she she did it, but yeah, eventually find herself. So, yeah. So she has that. <laughs> Definitely. So you can see that some stories and well, others don't. And it's just up to you. If you're coming to Iceland, it's all in your hands. Like 
we said no, many times the weather can be a pain. The weather can change so quickly. And I mean, one of the worst times we had was this year in February. We had some of the most severe winter storms. I think you can call it hurricanes. And I mean, it was even advised to stay at home. Kids were asked to... Uh, to leave school earlier and it's always good to check for the weather for the road conditions so definitely keep in mind at least a little bit how your travel buddies look like yeah because you definitely don't want to end up in a search looking for yourself or just looking for the person that's well, sitting that right sitting, next to you sitting next to you the whole time making polite small talk so what you what you learn from this episode is um, have fun in Iceland um, but still use your common sense with the fun otherwise the fun can turn into not so fun only camp in camping areas and remember that living in the moment is better than catching perfect fun and of course don't trust your GPS Trust your instincts. And buy a map. Don't and go on... Also, don't bring umbrellas. This is also one of the mistakes tourists make. The wind in Iceland will kill your umbrella. Yeah, I think an umbrella is the last thing you want to bring to Iceland. Yeah. Definitely not useful. It's pretty windy here all the time. Yeah, and the, and the wind is at a very annoying angle. And I mean, and the rain as well. The rain, it, it doesn't rain down. It rains... Sideways. Sideways in Iceland. <laughs> so uh, an umbrella doesn't really do anything. But if you have like a big inflatable ball that you can climb into, you can use that to protect yourself from the rain. So thank you so much for listening. We're so happy to see that uh, every week a few new listeners are excited about our episode and and if you like what you're hearing then we would be so happy if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because you cannot leave a review on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify but if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts we are more likely to be found by other Iceland enthusiasts Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear about our Blue Lagoon adventures. Yay! Going to the Blue Lagoon. <laughs>